You're listening to XVGM Radio. Welcome to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Mike. And I'm Justin. And this is episode one, the evolution of Nintendo console music. So this is a brand new video game music podcast where we're going to be talking about lots of different topics, all different consoles, handhelds, arcade, you name it, we're covering it. So, um, you know, I'm basically going to be co-hosting with my good friend Justin here. And we're going to go over some awesome tunes that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. And we'll talk a little bit in just a minute about this episode and kind of what we're going to be doing uh, to start off. And we've got a lot of really cool stuff planned for the podcast, so definitely stay tuned. So yeah, I'm really excited to be here as well. I think we have uh, just a great selection of music picked out both for today's episode and in the future. Like Mike said, we're going to be covering all sorts of different systems. Uh, We're going to talk about all different types of music. Some stuff you may have not heard, some stuff you may have heard before but not really thought to listen to, and some stuff that you probably enjoy listening to and might listen to on a semi-regular basis. But overall, I think the different genres that we have picked out, the games that we're talking about, and the subjects that we're going to cover are going to have some great things to talk about (laughs) (laughs) exactly yes no but so i I think the topics that we have and the 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 types of things that we're going to cover are both going to perhaps bring in new listeners to that type of music or to vgm in general and hopefully spark some good discussions between ourselves and anybody who listens yeah absolutely and we want to hear from you guys so we'll talk a little bit at the end of the episode for all the social media and the website and all that stuff. Just so you know, if you ever need to reach us, you can reach us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. And tell us how we're doing. Tell us what you like from this episode. Tell us what you didn't like. Tell us how you think we can improve because we want to be the best show for you. So we opened the show with a track from Little Nemo on the NES. And Little Nemo the Dream Master, it came out in 1990. And the track that we played was from Stage 4. It's the Night Sea track that's what it's called and it's by Junko Tamiya so Junko Tamiya is a longtime Capcom composer kind of tapped out with Final Fight Double Impact in 2010 which she was credited for because she did the original in Final Final Fight in 1989 so she's the composer of that also Strider on in 1989 Sweet Home in 1989 which was an, a Famicom exclusive survival horror game kind of like the the very first one Bionic Commando in 88 she did the music for so she's done a bunch of other games, but those are primarily some of the games that she's 
worked on. Now, Little Nemo is a fantastic game. It's really fun, and it's it's based on the Little Nemo Adventures. I think, I think it's called Adventures in Slumberland, the movie, right? Yeah, Little yeah. Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. Right. It's an animated movie that came out in 1989 in Japan, but it didn't make it to the U.S. until 1992, and it's originally based on a comic strip from, like, the early 1900s. And so it's really funny because the, the movie came out two years after the game did in America. So it's like, if you were a kid, you had no clue what Little Nemo was. You thought it was an original <laughs> property like Mega Man. So. Unless like someone that was much older knew about the uh, the, right. the, old, the old comic, but even then, like it, it, <laughs> I don't think the resemblance they're... to the comic is just <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it's definitely based off of the uh, off of the movie for the things that happened and sort of like the design of the characters. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think there's too many uh, like eighty nine year. Well, at that point, they'd have to be like eighty nine, almost a hundred year old people playing like Little Nemo, like <laughs> in the in the train level, like get over that train, jerk. So. Yeah, you play as Little Nemo. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a platform game, and it's I, I have so many great childhood memories of playing this game, trying to beat it, It's so it's great. The Night Sea level in particular, the song that we wanted to bring you in with is a very like serene, very relaxing mm. kind of experience, and you know we didn't want to blast you away too, too hardcore. We wanted to kind of ease you in and kind of showcase that Capcom sound that Capcom delivered. All right, so uh, what did you think of that track? Uh, I loved it. I mean, it's uh, definitely one of the reasons that it's in here. It's so bouncy. Yeah. Like, it's just, I mean, think about Little Nemo in his uh, in his little bed flying around and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like sort of like bouncing on the mattress, like a little kid. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, uh, almost like you're bouncing on the back of a car, like you want to go, uh, like you're going somewhere. Yep. Like Disney or something. And the, um, just the, like the rhythm in the background is just, like, it's... It's just it's just spot on and keeps the beat, beat keeps going. it flowing. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love the imagery that you brought up talking about the bed actually because there's a in the beginning of each level there's a moment where Nemo's like getting scolded for being up so it's just like the bed and it's Nemo like half a, half awake or whatever and then like he comes running into the bed like it's got that and then he like goes to sleep and then he goes on these awesome adventures so yeah yeah it's a classic game. So that's kind of like the classic Capcom sound. We're not going to showcase literally every single type of sound that the systems have, but here's what we are going to do. Uh, We're going to have two tracks from the NES, two tracks from the Super Nintendo, and then two tracks from the N64 era. And then after that, we'll be introducing some of the later uh, systems, uh, just so you can kind of kind of get a flavor. You can see how uh, Nintendo console music has evolved. So this isn't just specifically Nintendo games in the sense that it's these games are only from Nintendo. It's more these games are from all different types of composers from all different types of companies. But every single game that we've picked is. Uh, started off as an exclusive for this right, right. for these consoles. If it, if it didn't end up as an exclusive, um, it, it, st- it started out intended that way and might have gotten ported to like Game Boy Advance, exactly. Or, yeah, something like that. Like that. So, all right. So let's get started. What, what do you what do you got for our first pick? So first up, we have Stage Six, Deep in the Cave, and that is 1989's Adventures of Tom Sawyer, uh, and that was composed by Masa Konaishi. All right, let's give it a listen.
welcome back. That was Stage 6, Deep in the Cave, from 1989's Adventures of Tom Sawyer, and that was by Masa Konishi. Yes. That was a very repetitive track, but it has a certain, like, I, I don't even know how to, it's like... A, a very je ne sais quoi. Yeah, a, a, a je ne sais quoi, if you will. It's a very sharp sounding track. It's very like, I don't want to say stuttery, but it's it, it's not quite as fine-tuned as later NES music. Like even if you compare Little Nemo to this track. Definitely. Th this track is, I, I feel like some of the earlier NES music is very like harsh, kind mm -hmm. of like a little bit harsher tones, but it's also a little bit more minimalist. Whereas like Little Nemo sounded a lot more rich a lot more full, and part of the reason for that is they they kind of add like a little bit of an echo yep. on on their on their tracks with Capcom, like they learned how to do that. Whereas with this track, it seems like what you get is what's right here. Yeah, I mean it, it's it it is sort of very basic. Um, there, there's sort of a lot going on there if you, if you if you pick it apart, but that's not mm -hmm. sort of the that, that's not sort of the draw to it. I mean, I picked this one. Because I found it to be uh, interesting. I mean, for one, it's a it's a stage song, but it sounds a lot like a boss song. It does, yeah. Um, like I, when when I was looking through things, I I thought th I thought it was mislabeled, <laughs> um, and just uh, listening to this for as long as it might take you to play a level in Tom Sawyer, which <laughs> we'll get to that in a sec. I feel like it could drive you more mad than the game will drive you mad. Yes, and that's not always the the case with a lot of the early NES games. But um, one of the other things that I found interesting in it is not only did it sound like a boss track, it sounded to me sort of like they were trying to almost copy a Mega Man boss track. Okay, yeah. The, uh, the sound profile, it's not quite Capcom, mm -hmm. but it, it's, it has an almost Mega Man quality to it. Yeah, almost like Mega Man 2 in a yeah. way. Yeah. What's interesting is this game plays exactly like the Goonies, yes. like the Goonies 1 or Goonies 2. Minus the, like, room scenes. It, right, right, right. The game stars Tom Sawyer. He's He goes to sleep in the beginning of the game, so he's, like, in the little, like, I don't know, he, hut. Yeah. area where they're like the school or whatever yeah. and so he's like passed out and he's dreaming and so you're basically playing through his dreams and the dream he's he's trying to save uh, Becky from mm -hmm. Injun Joe and so there's six, six stages in the game this is the last stage so that may be one of the reasons why this track sounds mm -hmm. the way it does this game is also you don't confuse this game with Square's Tom Sawyer right Square also put out a game called Tom Sawyer and it's like an RPG yes so two totally different I think that was on games. the NES too, wasn't it? Yes. Hmm. And you know, it's interesting because we first played um, Little Nemo, mm -hmm. and that's a game based on uh, a movie, an animated movie, which was based on a 1900s uh, <laughs> bo bo uh, comic strip. Yep. And this is Adventures of Tom Sawyer, which is like an old, old book from like the 1800s <laughs> by uh, Mark Twain. Yeah. So it's just like, it's really weird that there were so many franchises back in the day it, it, that... Maybe the IPs were like super cheap to scoop up by these developers, and they could like make games out of nothing. Do you know what I mean? I, I feel like it's also um, a little bit of the developers who were likely older folks at the time. That's a good uh, point. Making something out of stuff, stuff they grew up mm -hmm. with, like the people that, that worked on this game may have read and really enjoyed Tom Sawyer when they were in grade school. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and when they grew up, they, they were trying to think, well, if kids are playing games, how do we get you know my love of this story to right. kids? That's uh, true. I don't think they did it very well, but they tried. <laughs> yeah, it's just the game... It's it's rough to play because when you defeat 
Like if you if you die in the game, you die in real life. No, <laughs> it, <laughs> I, I like almost can't say those words. Like I can't say if you die in in the game. I cannot follow it up with anything other than you die in well, real my life. My problem is if you didn't say it, I was about to. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so in the game, when you are deceased. <laughs> You have to start the level pretty much almost all over. There are checkpoints, but I feel like they're just too far spread out, you know? Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we didn't beat the first level, so no. I, don't know, like, I don't know if that checkpoint was the halfway mark and we mm -hmm. just couldn't finish it or right. what it was, but we only really got one We didn't get very far, unfortunately. But yeah, the, the game has, like, you have an like an arcing shot with, like, what A are rock they, like, or, rocks or something. or something like that? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like... Like so, so many other games, uh, like Friday the Thirteenth, when they're, mm. you're throwing the rock and it's going way over the zombie's head. <laughs> so it's it's very similar to that. But you know, I, I dug the track itself. I wish it did a little bit more. But knowing that this is the last level in the game, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as the composer goes, what else? I've never heard of this composer. What else have they done? Masako Nishi. Not a whole lot else listed on uh, on their credits. There's uh, Super Robot Tyson in 1991 and Formula One Built to Win in 1990. Ah, uh, okay. So, Super Robot Tyson, I know, is a Game Boy game, uh, which is part of the, like, Robot Tyson series. Some of those games are really good, but others are, you know, kind of meh. Uh, and then Formula One is just, you know, kind of a bland racing game. I mean, these games were developed by Winkysoft, yep. and they have made some interesting games. I think they even made the some of the Sailor Moon games, if I recall. Oh. Yeah, like on Super NES. Or I was going to say, I played the, uh, the, the RPG on uh, the yep. SNES. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we're going from one track that is very kind of like minimalist, but also, you know, definitely gets the blood pumping to a track, which is a lot more easygoing, a lot more in line with the Dream Master track that we played from the Little Nemo game. Uh, this is Panic Restaurant. This is a late release for the NES. It came out in 1994 by Taito. It's Stage 1 Appetizer. And I'll explain why it's named Appetizer in just a minute. It's by Hirohiko Takeyama and Kenji Ino. You have returned to XVGM Radio. That was Panic Restaurant, the 1994 release on the NES. And that was Stage 1 Appetizer, and it's by Hirohiko Takeyama and Kenji Ino. 
Now, the reason it's called Stage 1 Appetizer is because the whole game's levels, like each level is like a menu item. Mm -hmm. So you start off with the appetizer, you have a little bit of, you know, the main course, soup and whatnot, and then you kind of move on to the full course meal, and then you you end with the dessert. So the game is, it's got a really cool gimmick. (laughs) <laughs> so it was initially released actually in 1992 in Japan and North America, uh, but it was released in Europe uh, in 1994. So that's kind of like the last year that it came out. So it's amazing it came out in Europe because Europe really didn't get a lot of NES oh, yeah. games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, you play as a chef. His name is Cookie, and you're basically your restaurant has been cursed by an evil chef who's kind of like your your nemesis, and his name is Odove. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, I think it's supposed to be like hors d'oeuvre. Or, or, or d'oeuvre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, the whole game takes you through uh, again six levels. You're fighting off bad guys uh, that are basically taking the shape of uh, food or different like uh, things you'd find in the kitchen. And it's a really really fun game. So interestingly enough, Kenji Ino is also a game designer who created like the D series. So he's done a lot of work on tons and tons of different games. Uh, He did D and D2, Enemy Zero, and uh, games like Time Zone. So kind of like all over the place. Like those games are very like, especially like D and D2 and Enemy Zero, they're very like... Like survival horror esque, but first person. They're uh, they're very like dark and gritty. Whereas Panic Restaurant is just like such a goofy, fun, happy game. <laughs> yeah. But, but I don't know. What do you think of the track itself? The the, the track is is a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, for the first track in the game, for the first track that you're playing through, um, it really sets the tone for the game to be fun. I, yeah. I mean the 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 song itself uh, is is very upbeat. Uh, it's very bright. The, um, the syncopation is uh, is a lot of fun. Just mm-hmm. like the way that they, the the bass is. Just Right, right, right. And the way that everything else kind of works with it. Yeah. It's just, it's a gem. Yeah. (laughs) I like those uh, sample drums. Yes. And that's that's one of the things that you start to notice as you, you start hearing, like, later NES music is... There's a bigger focus on like how many samples can we fit in. So you get those like those like very like dampened slightly, mm. uh, but they're they're still very crisp sounding uh, snare drums. So it's really good. I mean the the percussion itself is fantastic. It sounds very crisp, very clean, and uh, on top of that you've got these synth lo- uh, lead lines and melodies and harmonies, which really all blend very well together. Yeah, no, I I, I agree, and I also like the fact that for for a game that's so late in the NES's uh, life, it makes sense but you can tell that they were able to successfully get like so many sort of instruments together there like mm-hmm. it uh, especially when playing you've got the sound effects that are going on in the game and there's I, I didn't count how many different instrument tracks there were there mm-hmm. but it it sounds like a, like a full yeah it felt song. sounds very rich yes rich. it's like a lovely dessert that you would eat in in the game <laughs> oh i see what you did there yes so uh, the other composer, Hirohiko Takayama, has worked on quite a bit. Uh, a lot of his stuff has gone uncredited, unfortunately. Uh, stuff like The Karate Kid, Gotcha, Zexies, and uh, stuff like Friday the 13th. Uh, so really good, like NES music. Uh, Ghostbusters 2, which I believe is not the Ghostbusters 2 uh, NES game. I think that's the Game Boy game. Yeah. And then a couple other tracks here and there. Um, Time Zone, uh, who we worked on with Kenji Ino. And then his last game was Ishi Haisiichi no Daisekai. So, wow, that is a mouthful to say. Uh, he, also, he also did a little programming on Bonk's Revenge as well. So kind of like, you know, jump ship from Taito to Hudson there. Mm-hmm. So 
Panic Restaurant's a great game. It's just a shame it's so expensive. Yeah. It, it really is. It, that, yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> because I, it really should... Play, be played by everybody. Yeah, no, like, I would. I would like to own that game after having played it. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely, that, it, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, cool. All right, well, I've got our next pick because uh, we are going chronological. So our next pick is Legend of Zelda: Link to the Past. This is a classic, and it's from the 1992 original release. This is Dark Golden Land, and it's by Koji Kondo. You have returned Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, one of the best games on the Super NES. That was the 1992 release, and the track was Dark Golden Land by Koji Kondo, Lord of VGM in general <laughs> video game music. So I got to I gotta hear your thoughts on this one, because I could talk to death about this one, but I'm, I'm curious what you think about it. That's fair. So this is actually one of the one of the few franchises and games that I didn't actually get into until uh, till later in life so this really? is not, this was not a childhood game for me but oh it uh it 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 still is a fun one um, you need to go back in time and change your childhood then. <laughs> i i I, <laughs> I wish when when i first beat the uh the, the first zelda i i wish that i could have like going back in time to, yeah. to make myself sit down and play it right because mm-hmm. as a kid like it was such an open world and even, even with this one i probably would have done the same thing it was an open world and i just kind of get lost mm-hmm. and then where's the game um but as an adult actually playing the game and understanding how to go through it such a fun experience yeah it is it's a it's but, a very deep big game yeah and it's interesting because you don't really as i guess if you've beaten it like so many times you don't really get the full scope of how large the game is yeah i mean even back in the back in the day it felt like an eternity but it it, it was gripping the entire experience all the way through you know you start off as link 
and you wake up and your uncle's there and he's <laughs> like, yo, I'm going outside, don't leave. And then you're, of course, going to disobey, so you leave and then you find your uncle slain, hurt, and he sends you on this mission, gives you a sword and shield, and then he vanishes, disappears. And then the whole point of the game is you're trying to save Zelda, the Princess Zelda from... I always say his name wrong. I always used to call it... Uh, I think it's... Aganim? Aganim, but I always called it Agenheim. <laughs> Agenheim? And I don't know where I got that from. Just like... I, I Probably just being a kid and misreading it. Pretty much. Like, I would look at the name and be like, oh, yeah, no. Like, because I also, like... Would, would read the Nintendo Power comic that came in Nintendo Power. And yeah. so, like, flipping through that, I just would flip through and I just totally just mushed all the letters together. I was like, yeah, yeah, he's like a German, you know, bad guy. Like, German wizard, right? Hagenheim. It's Egenheim. like, it, it, it's right next to Nibelheim. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Norse god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jeez. So, but... but I don't know. Uh, this this track is just so epic because when you get to the dark land, the the dark world, that's where this track plays. Uh, this is like the overworld theme. So you go from a very like cheery, uplifting, like you can do it kind of song in the light world, and then when you go to the dark world, you know you you get all this stuff explained to you after you get the master sword. You defeat Egenheim. I'm just gonna call him <laughs> Egenheim just for the record, and. Then you're in this strange place, and you've got this other guy who I also could never uh, pronounce his name. It's like Sahasharela or something like oh, that. Oh, Sahasharela. Yeah, and I always <laughs> called him Sahasharela. <laughs> I think as, as a kid, I, I, what, I saw one of my friends play, and yeah. I, I thought it was Sahara, like the Sahara Desert. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. So he's kind of like speaking to you from the void, and he's like, yo, you gotta go save all these princesses that are just like, have been taken over, these young maidens. So the whole, that's the whole point of the game, is you're going from dungeon to dungeon, saving all these uh, these fair maidens. So you, you start, you walk off that, that giant pyramid, and you just, there's such a weight that this song <laughs> gives you because it's so dark. Well, and, it's so different from the light world Oh, song. absolutely. It's like a polar opposite. But what, what, what's actually kind of interesting is listening to it and not having the, the Light World song in your head, this actually sounds kind of uplifting. Like, when you put the two together, yeah. they, they definitely sound very contrasting. Yes. But it still sounds like, it, it's like they, they put it in a minor the, a, mm -hmm. a minor key, but it still sounds like a hero's theme. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was just sort of the first thing I noticed when I, when I, when I started listening to mm -hmm. it. It's like, this is the Dark World theme, but... It, it doesn't sound like, not notwithstanding any other pieces, it doesn't sound mm -hmm. like what I would have thought to be the Dark World right. until you put it up against the Light World. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I really dig the background kind of like subtle harmonies that are happening yep. in the background. The, like the, the more violins. And it kind of like carries this like more... I don't know, like, emotional vibe that the track that you... You know, this is the sort of track where you can listen to it and you'll hear different things each time you hear it. Like, some things will kind of perk up and make you go, oh, okay, the horns. Yep. Or you'll say that melody in the background, that da-da-da-da. Or you'll hear that, you know, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. It's just... It's such a versatile track and it just takes so many different forms while still staying the, staying the same and still still staying staying so so familiar. Mm. It's it's a really brilliant job by Koji Kondo who's, you know, as we said, the godfather of video game music. No, he doesn't he doesn't have any any games listed to his credit at all. Definitely one. No. I think I think no. just the one Zelda game. Mm -hmm. Well, his <laughs> first game was Golf in yeah. 1984, which that's just so weird to me that that was his first track. 
what hasn't he done uh, for Nintendo? Uh, Mario, like Super Mario Brothers 1, 2, 3, World, uh, Pilot Wings, Star Fox, he did sound effects on, not yep. the music itself. That right. was by, I believe, Harumi Fujita. Uh, Super Mario All-Stars, he came back, redid the music for that. Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, he was the sound composer on Star Fox 64, Mario 64, Mario Party, he was sound support. You know, the list goes on and on and on. Legend of uh, Zelda Ocarina of Time, pretty much There's almost all of them. Yeah. Pretty much almost all the Zeldas except, uh, you know, up to a certain... I don't think he did... Uh... Um, I knew he did Twilight Princess. Yeah. Oh, no, I was saying he, he didn't do um, Zelda 2. Uh, Zelda 2. Uh, no, actually, I Adventures don't... Adventures of Link. Adventures of Link. Yeah, I don't think he did that one. No. So I, I believe that somebody else did that one. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Very large, versatile library of music. <laughs> he's done it all. He's mostly taken on like a, a sound supervisor role, but he's come back to do music... In some of the games, like he just did Mario Odyssey, speaking of newer games. So he did uh, some of the soundtrack for Mario Odyssey. He did Majora's Mask 3D. He was credited for the music composer on that. So mm -hmm. he's just, he's really stuck with Mario, Zelda, Luigi's Mansion, Star Nintendo. Fox, mm -hmm. you know, like Nintendo major franchises. And, you know, I think, you know, now that he's on this uh, mostly sound supervisor role, I think that. Uh, he's going to be able to showcase his job that he's done for so long and kind of, you know, bring up the, the brightest and the youngest composers to make them eat that much better. Yeah. So. Hey, it looks like we actually have a caller. Oh, uh, just weird. A sec. Yeah, just a sec. All right, caller, you're on the air with XVGM Radio. Who is this? Uh, uh, hello? Uh, yeah, uh, hi, this is, uh, Ryu from... Ryu from Street Fighter? No, no, no. This, this is Ryu from... Ryu from Ninja Gaiden? No, no, no. My name is Ryu from... Ryuichi Naruhodo from Gyakuten Saiben? What? I don't even know what that that is. You know, Phoenix from Phoenix, right? No, no. Just let me finish. This is Ryu Bateson from Breath of Fire. I'd like to hear a track from my game. Uh, preferably Dying Corpse? Sure. So coming right up, this is Dying Corpse from 1995's Breath of Fire 2 on the SNES by Yuko Takahara.
Thanks for sticking with us. You're listening to XVGM Radio, and that was Dying Corpse off of 1995's Breath of Fire 2 on the SNES by Yuko Takehara. Such a brutal name for a track. Oh, my God. Well, I mean... <laughs> Ryu I think picked fit- a good one. Yeah, no, it, and, it, and it fits, too. Uh, I mean, go get some ice for your neck if, uh, if you've been headbanging to that one. Yeah. I, I was. Absolutely. It is a very Capcom track for that era. I mean, you, you've seen how much their, their sound changes from Little Nemo on the NES uh, to this type of sound. This is a much more like heavy rocking sound that you'd hear out of like a Mega Man X uh, track and there's a reason for that because the composer also worked on Mega Man X games so you know totally fits Uh, but (laughs) I, I love that like overdriven guitar sound that comes out of Capcom's games during this era so it's interesting because Listening to this in in a kid's mindset or in in a mindset where I grew up with this sound, to me, hearing these like guitars, it sounded like real guitars to me. Yeah, like back in the day, you know. What oh I mean? yeah, no. Back, uh, as 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 a kid, the the SNES. Uh, I mean, I I feel like it's still one of my favorite, or if if not my favorite uh, retro console. Yeah, there, yeah. there were so many. Like mo- most of my fond gaming memories come from that one. Mm-hmm. But I mean, and and a lot of those games were you know related to uh, to, to the composer Yuka Takahara. Mm-hmm. Like you said they, they, she worked on uh, the Mega Man, some of the Mega Man games, uh, the Mega Man X games, JoJo's also, Bizarre Adventure, yeah, yeah, X Men versus Street Fighter, you know Mega Man Seven, all yeah, different Final stuff. Fight Two, yeah, Star Gladiator Episode One on PS One, which yes. has a great soundtrack. So. Just, you know, mostly with that, like, hard-rocking, uh, blood-pumping, exciting <laughs> music that you would hear out of out of a Capcom game. So, makes sense. Why don't we talk a little bit about the game itself? Uh, we won't dive too deep, but uh, the gameplay itself, it's a JRPG. It's turn-based. You could change formations of the characters depending on your needs uh, that you need in the battle. Uh, you can also build a special town that's like just for you and some of the characters that you find throughout the game to like live in your village. You have to like hire these like carpenters to come in, and yeah, yeah. it's kind of kind of interesting. Uh, what about the the story, the overall story itself? So the story takes place 500 years after the first Breath of Fire. Um, it starts out with the main character being very young as he encounters a uh, dead, lifeless dragon. Death Evan, the leader of uh, the Saint Ava religion, uh, is revealed as a descendant from the previous game's villain, the goddess Mira. Right, yeah, and the the characters, we got a couple that we're just going to throw out there. There's Ryu Bateson, who we just heard from. (laughs) (laughs) He's the main hero. He is not the Ryu from the first Breath of Fire game, Uh, more like a descendant, I guess you could say. Um, because that character, I think, was more like dragon based. Like he, I think he could like turn into a dragon, if I recall. I'm pretty sure you can too in this game. Because mo- yeah. most of the Breath of Fire games have have a character that can turn that into a dragon. Turn into a dragon, right? Um, and th- that makes sense because most of the characters in the game are based on some sort of animal. Yep. Uh, you've got Cat, who's the feline warrior who's found fighting in a coliseum. Uh, you've got Nino Windia, who's the um, descendant of the original Nina from the first game. She's like a, a winged warrior woman sort of yeah. uh, thing. What about, what uh, else we got? Then there's a bow or bow. I, I'm not really sure. I think it's how. bow. I, yeah, because I think he actually uses a bow. Yeah. Um, but he's uh, he's an orphan uh, who you meet in the beginning of the game who convinces Ryu to leave his town. And then there is uh, Jean, a, who's a frogman who happens to also be a prince. Very similar Surprise. to Frog from Chrono Trigger. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the gang helps him defeat his evil doppelganger. I see. So that's just like a, a brief snippet of some of the characters. There's a, a couple more oh, yeah. that, are, that are, you know, that you get throughout the journey itself. You know, it's it's an RPG. So, you know, you're, you're definitely sinking some time into 
this one, oh, yeah. and it, it helps to have music like this. You know, you've got the bumping awesome energy from whenever you're fighting in a battle, and I believe this does take place in a oh, yeah. battle. That's a, that's a battle song. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's Breath of Fire 2. So you can kind of see, like, where... Uh, Super Nintendo music kind of fits like it can go from like the more melodic and more like uh, emotional uplifting tracks to you know just like bangers like straight up bangers like this so Yuko Takahara we already talked about that the first game soundtrack is credited to Alf Lila right uh, but this game also tends to get accidentally credited to Alf Lila but it is Yuko Takahara so all right so I guess it's my pick next and we're moving into the N64 era Mm -hmm. Uh, this is Blast Corpse it's a 1997 release the track name is called Warning and it's by Graham Norgate going the name's Tony and I want to hire you for the best job in the city let me ask you something do you like breaking things how'd you like to break some buildings eh? let me break it down for you see what I did there blast corpse is looking to hire people who like breaking things want to bust up some buildings demolish someone's hard work maybe take some places out of commission eh? We are fully approved by the city to demolish anything and everything. You see it, you break it. So come on down to our facilities located on the south side of town so we can get to smashing. Blast Corpse is located at 64 Blast Corpse Avenue, right next to the Hybrid Heaven Diner. Offer good only for one person, so act fast. Okay, boys, let's take out that one right over there. Wait, stop. That's my car. No! You're listening to XVGM Radio. 
Welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was Blast Corpse, the 1997 release on the N64. That track was called Warning, and it's by Graham Norgate. This game is a lot of fun. Did you like this game? <laughs> I think if I sat down and played it sequentially, right. uh, I would I would have a much better grasp of it. But <laughs> the couple levels that I played the other day were, were a lot of fun. I yeah. mean, you're just kind of running around and... Blowing stuff up. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. De- yeah, destroying stuff. That's the whole point of the game. Y- you know, you get these different types of vehicles that you can use. My favorite is the... There's like a dumpster type thing, like the the, like the a dump truck. Like a dump, not a drum, dump truck. It's like it's got like a plow in the front. So I guess it's like a dump truck with a plow. I don't know what you would call that. Not the bulldozer. No, not the. Maybe it's a bulldozer. Yeah, I guess it is a bulldozer. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like the bulldozer because like you can you can manipulate the controls and like rotate around stuff and just like do like wheelies almost. Yeah, and, like, like, um, like drifting. Yeah, like drifting. Yeah, and you're like destroying everything like left and right. Like that's the whole point of the game. But it does. It's a mission-based game where you're going around as kind of like the construction manager. Like, basically, you know, they, they give you a mission like, hey, you need to get this amount of points by destroying this amount of stuff. You know, you need to make it so this train doesn't blow stuff up or whatever. Like, that that's kind of the basics behind the game. So there's not really, like, a story. It's just basically blow stuff up, which I'm okay with. Yeah, yeah. But I love this track because it has echoes of or kind of I guess you could say it's a predecessor to the sound that would become that rare sound this is developed by rare and so this was a predecessor to the sound that you would hear in like perfect dark Dark, yes and that like deep dark (laughs) sinister bass line it's just like so evil and gripping and haunting (laughs) it's it's really really good it's crunchy it's like this would be an awesome like industrial metal track that's exactly what I was going to say, yeah. actually. I, I, I really enjoyed this one, um, particularly because it, it felt very industrial. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were some, like, industrial noises in the background, like, yeah, the, like pipes and, and clanking. Like a Terminator, almost, yes. like, King Kong! <laughs> like, it was really cool. There, yeah. there, was, there was a couple couple points that I, I, I sort of laughed to myself, like, when, when the the, the, the higher-pitched synths come in, um, it almost sounded like, it, at first, my brain processes processed it as um, like the opening to Funky Town. Like, okay. Dee, 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 dee. <laughs> so, and I was like, what is that? And then it wasn't. And You're talking about the ones that are, that are more like There's a couple of like higher pitched synths okay, that, okay. that are, they're not quite in the range of, mm-hmm. of the song that I'm talking about, but but when they first came in, that's just mm-hmm. where my brain went. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then once I, I heard more than like three or four notes, mm-hmm. I, I was like, okay, I see. This is, this is it, like it, it fit much better. I I just really love that bass line, and then yes. when the main melody kind of kicks in, I don't know. The song kind of loses me a little bit. It's not <laughs> bad. I think, it's I think just, that's what I'm talking about is the main melody. It's, it's that like dun dun dun. dun. It yeah. just sounds like very clunky. Yeah, and it doesn't really fit with the bass line. I, I guess <laughs> it kind of does, but it, to me it doesn't. Like it just kind of starts falling apart. But then right before the loop, it kind of saves itself a little bit and then yes. it kicks into the loop where you get that awesome bass line. So I'm okay with it. Yeah, no, I'm the, cool the, the bass line on it was awesome. Yeah, agreed. So uh, Graham Norgate is a longtime rare composer, started off with Killer okay. Instinct in 1994, did games like Diddy Kong Racing, uh, did GoldenEye 007, Perfect Dark was, again, is, uh, yeah. co-composed with uh, Grant Kirkhope, Time Splitters 2, uh, which basically he left rare at that mm. point in time right after uh it was like right around the era where um n64 kind of wrapped up and gamecube was kind of rolling out 
And so he left and did, he joined a group called Free Radical Development Company, oh, yeah. formed of like mostly rare employees. And he did Time Splitters 2, Second Sight, Time Splitters Perfect. The first Time Splitters as well. Yeah, uh, Time Splitters, Time Splitters per, uh, Future, Future Perfect, right. So he must have left right after he did Perfect Dark because yeah. Time Splitters came out in like 2000. Same year, so, yeah. Yeah. So, and then he worked on Haze. He's credited for I Want to Be the Boshi in 2010, because uh, uh, Killer Instinct is, yep. takes place in that. And then he worked on some of the Crisis games, and then uh, he's credited for the newer Killer Instinct game, because some of his songs are, are featured, featured in it. Right? Yeah. Uh, his last game that he worked on was Homefront The Revolution, uh, where he was the audio director on that. So, you know, he, he mainly sticks with games which uh, are either first-person, uh, like first-person arcade-style shooters, or, you know, just like ridiculous, crazy, fun games like like this. Yeah. I dig it. So we're moving from one N64 game to another, and this one sounds a little bit different. What do you got yeah. for us? So this one was three years later, off of Top Gear Hyperbike, which came out in 2000. This is the track from the Florence, Italy track. This was composed by Christian A. Salier and Eric Klein. Cool. Let's do it. Florence, Italy track from 2000's Top Gear Hyperbike, and that was by Christian A. Salier and Eric Klein. I've never heard of this game, so you really nope. pulled pulled out the pulled something out of the woodwork here. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard of Top Gear 
2, like Rally 2 yep. and Rally, but not this. Yeah, no, t t there are a ton of Top Gear games out there, and mm -hmm. they're all racing games. Uh, the game itself isn't really my style, but the soundtrack is actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, this song was, was the one that I picked off of that uh, the soundtrack to this game, because this track almost reminded me of something like Out of the Matrix. It's yeah, Very, very yeah, high definitely. energy, very techno and rocky. The, the, the guitars that you hear in there almost sound like, um, like Rammstein guitars. I almost want to say it's Dark Trance. Yeah, yeah. That's the vibe I get from it, and even though I like trance music, um, I tend to more gravitate towards like the more like Euro trance type yep. stuff, just because it's very high energy, very like trippy and hot, <laughs> hot, happy. You know, like not quite happy hardcore, but like oh yeah, I, I really kind of dig this type of sound because it's dark, it's sinister, it's evil, it's gritty, and it's gritty, it's tough, and so that kind of is where, where why I like this track specifically. So. I, I, I dig it. it. It sounds pretty cool. I, I like the, the grittiness, and I, I like how it sounds like at, at some points the song is going through like a, a, like a tube, yep. or like a filter, yeah. <laughs> where it's like wah, 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 you know, like almost like distorted. Yep. I also want to point out the singing in the background at points <laughs> almost sounds like a tea kettle going off. Yes. Yes. So I, I really had to pay attention there because I was like, wait, is somebody making tea? Like, is my wife making tea upstairs? <laughs> but yeah, no, this this track, um, it, if, if you if you like this track, um, go and listen to the rest of the the rest of the stuff off of this game mm -hmm. uh, because well, it's not all exactly the same. I I think it's all pretty good. Um, if, yeah. if I hadn't picked this one, I probably would have picked the the menu theme track, mm -hmm. which was a, a very close second for me. Yeah, we're moving from a more like chip based sound to a more like stereo CD quality kind of yep. uh, audio. Um, regarding the audio itself, it sounds like almost like pre recorded, we were saying, like during the break. Definitely utilizing some form of like PCM samples for yes. like some of the instrumentation. Yep. So it's pretty cool. Uh, I was digging it. I feel like the audio kind of works off of the main like coprocessor, uh, from what I understand, like the audio interface. So yeah. I'm not a super technical guy, but I know that it's not like the Genesis, for example, where they had like a Yamaha chip built into it. Uh, right. You know, right. it's it's not like that. So it, it's more based on audio hardware that was created for it, built into the overall hardware. Yeah. If you will. So kind of neat. Now this game itself is what it's like a it's a racing dirt game. bikes, like yeah, like dirt dirt bike uh, top bike gear with dirt game. bikes. Yeah. yeah, okay. Um, pretty pretty standard fare. Uh, like like I said, I I don't I haven't really played the game. Mm. Um, I I I've seen the game and it's not really my thing. Yeah. Um, I there's only a, a handful of racing games that I really enjoy. Like the uh, the Mario Kart racing games are sure. fun. Um, sure. And and one or two others that I that I've played in the past. Like uh, some of the Forza games are uh, really Chocobo fun. Racing, bro. Heck yes. Yes. <laughs> That's right. So tell me about these composers. I've never heard of these guys before. Well, Christian A. Salier started out in 1997 with a little game called Postal. Oh, okay. Some people may have heard of. Hmm. Also did uh, stuff on Postal 2 and uh, the Postal 2 expansion. Postal uh, Plus, right? Yeah. Other than that, I am not on top of um, many of these other games. Uh, Vigilante 8, 8 was yep. a lot of fun. That's that, that. That kind of is more like a 70s disco era vibe. Uh, soundtrack, if I recall, because it's like they took Twisted Metal and they basically were like, "Hey, what if Twisted Metal was a disco game? Like, <laughs> or had a disco soundtrack?" Yeah. So, what if what what if Twisted Metal took place at a disco? Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and then, uh, also okay. NHRA Championship Drag Racing. So, so a, a number of 
vehicle-based games in there. Okay. Um, and then you have Eric Klein, who also worked on the Vigilante 8 uh, arcade game in 2008, the Postal 2 and Postal 2 Share the Pain games, and Vigilante 8 The Second Offense in 1999. Okay. Well, that makes sense because they were both part of Snowblind Studios, yep. who they were the developers of this game, who eventually became Monolith Productions later on. So, pretty cool. All right, so let's move into the GameCube era. So um, starting with the GameCube era, we're only going to be playing one track per. Uh, we're going to have a total of 10 tracks, so that's kind of how it works. Uh, so for this episode, uh, we're doing one GameCube track, one Wii, one Wii U, and one Switch. So I'm starting off with the GameCube. This is Geist. This is an exclusive GameCube game. Never came out in anything else. It's the 2005 release. The track is called Escaping Containment. And it's by Michael Reed and Brad Martin. And I got a lot to tr say about this song, so come back after the break. Welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was Geist, the GameCube exclusive that came out in 2005. And that was Escaping Containment from Michael Reed and Brad Martin. And I gotta say, it sounds more like a car commercial. Yeah. I Doesn't could, it? I could, I could see that. Here, I'll, I'll give you a sample. The all-new 2018 Toyota Nissan Forester Mustang Hybrid Edition. No ARP or interest for 6,000 months. Or 30 miles. Start with zero down yesterday. Like, that's... Yeah. Is, is, is that not... That's the vibe yeah. that I get. No, I, I can see this monster of a car driving, like, <laughs> driving through the hills, taking yeah. all the twists and turns. Like a and... dune buggy. <laughs> it's, like, shaped like a dune buggy, but it's also, like, family-friendly for all the kids. <laughs> you know? Like, I don't know. Oh, it's that just... is... That is an interesting choice. It's me being a silly guy. So, yeah, uh, Geist is an interesting game. This is basically 
Nintendo saying, hey, we could have made Halo if we uh, wanted yes, to, yes. but, you know, I don't really know why they they made they decided to make this game. I, I guess it's because they were going for more mature games at this point, but it's a very unique game. It's developed by Enspace, who was, if I recall, Enspace was like a development group that uh, was started off by a bunch of just like really young developers uh, that were all going to, I think the school was DigiPen. Mm. I could be totally wrong. But uh, I'm almost positive that Endspace was started by DigiPen. They've made some really cool games. Yeah, it's a first-person game. So there are moments that take it out of first-person, but it's mostly like a first-person shooter. So John Ramey is the character you play as, and he's a scientist. Something happens to him, and he's able to like take over people's bodies. Mm. You basically use that to advance in the game. It's more of a focus on maybe like taking over like an animal, like a dog or something like that. And they'll only be able to see like specific shades of gray, which is really cool. And then you can uh, possess soldiers and guards and stuff like that. So that way you can kind of infiltrate like different places uh, undetected because you're a ghost passing through. So yeah. it's, it's pretty neat. I, I haven't really played too much of this one to be honest with you, but I know that Initially, they were when they were making the game, they were going to call it a uh, fear. Oh, yeah. I don't know if it necessarily led to that F dash dot E dot A dot R game, yeah. but uh, I believe that's also a first-person shooter as well. So the the whole weird thing about this is like uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, the creator of Mario, was like helping with the creation of this game. So I really huh. do feel like this was Nintendo going, yeah, yeah, we we, we could have made that, we could have made Halo, you know. Yeah, it's interesting because Nintendo's always been such a family-friendly uh, company. That, I mean, to see an, a mature-rated game mm-hmm. for for one of their consoles as as a first-party game. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I feel like you don't see that often with Nintendo. No, no. Especially now with everything being like super family-friendly. Yeah, I mean, I think Nintendo kind of ebbs and flows with whatever people are comfortable with. Mm. So I think that you know, as of fairly recently, which actually we'll talk about this a little bit with games that are were censored or whatever for oh, yes, you know yes. sexuality or mature content or whatever and I, I feel like when people show a lot of like support towards the outcry of stuff like that mm-hmm. that Nintendo is kind of like they hold back and they kind of don't really they censor stuff more yeah. but then like when things kind of shift in the other direction they kind of go with that because like right now they're coming out with tons of games that are coming out on their system that they're not censoring you know what i mean like yeah that's true you know all the fire emblem stuff and all that like you know there's sexy characters and stuff like yeah. a little bit more in the in those games and a little bit more violent content and whatnot they kind of promote that a little bit more so but uh the composers on this michael reed and bradley martin michael reed specifically uh, did a bunch of audio for some Madden games, um, mostly as an audio specialist or assistant audio specialist mm. uh, for Madden 2002 up till uh, Madden 2005. Uh, also worked on GoldenEye Rogue Agent in 2005 along with Geist. His first game was Daryl F. Gates Police Quest SWAT in 1995. He was actually an actor in that, oh. uh, like a voice actor, so he's not really doing any music, but mostly it seems like he was doing a lot of voice talent, and then it looks like they promoted him to audio specialist in uh, with NCAA Football 2002. So uh, definitely creating music that's more serious sounding, more like, uh, you know, this, this track in and of itself, aside from sounding like a car commercial, <laughs> very orchestral. It's got that little, like, 
pitter-patter uh, drum beat kind of in the background kind of floating through. Not really anything I would ever listen to, but more I wanted to showcase the evolution between N64, which is still very MIDI-based in a lot of ways. Yeah. And, 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 you know, kind of still continuing that Super NES sound in a lot of ways. But this is just full-on, like, CD-quality audio. Like symphonic. Uh, like symphonic, yeah. right. Like, this is something you would hear like on a soundtrack to like a Star Wars movie or something like that you know maybe not this yeah, maybe yeah. if you know they were driving around in a Star Wars car or something you know yeah, yeah. like a land speeder the all new land speeder <laughs> 20XX or whatever and then Bradley Martin worked on uh, Geist and two amazing games Mary Kate and Ashley Sweet 16 Licensed to Drive and Mary Kate and Ashley Crush Course not Crash Course Crush Crush course. course very important distinction there yeah so quality stuff not a lot from either of those guys otherwise so mostly kind of you know worked on those and went bye-bye yeah so all right so let's move into what you got for us which is a wii game what do you got yep so moving into the wii we're gonna take a listen to loop 8 inverse tempest off of 2007's geometry wars galaxies by audio antics cool let's give it a listen Welcome back. You're still listening to XVGM Radio. That was Loop 8 Inverse Tempest off of 2007's Geometry Wars Galaxies by Audio Antics. Yes, uh, this is a very busy track. Yep. Lots of really crazy techno stuff going on. <laughs> my, my problem with a track like this is it, it tends to drone out the instruments and they mm. tend to all kind of sound like one giant instrument you know what i mean that's true um it, not a bad track i'm just saying like that's kind of my opinion on it yeah no i i, I can see that the i mean the 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 drums that are in there are pretty distinct but the, the the rest of the sort of melodic instruments kind of sound like this this one synth or this one synth chord that gets played throughout the entire thing yeah yeah it's also i mean like the n64 track that we played earlier from um, the, the Top Gear Hyperbike mm. game, um, it's almost like a, an, an evolution of the techno genre as it happened. I mean, that first track came out in 2000, this one was 2007, mm-hmm. so we've had a few years. Well, I mean, for, for better or for worse, the, the, the sound changed, True. And, uh, and and this kind of changed with it. Yeah. I, I feel like it also maybe makes a little bit more sense in-game or, or while playing, because it's one of those games, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it mindless, but uh, <laughs> Geometry Wars... It's it's like it's a score game. So you're you're, you're a little spaceship, almost like in um, asteroids uh, or games like that from the past. 
and you're dropped into a map where there are enemies all over the place and sometimes uh, you know, gravity changes in, in certain parts of the map uh, or different obstacles happen. But it's just about, you know, it's almost like a, sh a shoot 'em up or a shmup, you know, blowing things up and trying to survive for as long as possible. Like, there usually isn't an end to the levels, it's how high of the score can you get. Yeah, this is a definite return to form for like that classic arcade style where it was more about score and less about story and characters and all that stuff. So, you know, these games to me were always really fun to play in short bursts. Yep just to kind of like improve your score and see how, how good you could do. But I always preferred to play a game like Geometry Wars with like a group of friends. Yes. Where you sit down with a bunch of people, you pass the controller back and forth, you see how far you can get score-wise and until you kind of get bored and then you just go do something else. <laughs> so, But it, it helps to have music like this because it, it's very energetic, it's very exciting, and it kind of flows very well with the rest of the game yep. itself. With and with the amount of concentration you need to give uh, give to not dying, right? It uh, it, it sort of it doesn't overwhelm you with anything. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Now, Audio Antics. Tell me about them because I've never heard of them. Audio Antics is a UK-based video game audio production company uh, run by a freelance sound engineer named Chris Chudley. Okay. They've done a, a number of games, Geometry Wars Galaxy, Geometry Wars Retro Evolved, which was on the Xbox Live Arcade, mm -hmm. um, I had that too, and the games that Geometry Wars actually came out of, Project Gotham Racing. Oh, um, really? If, if I remember correctly, uh, Geometry Wars was actually a mini-game inside ah, of Project Gotham Racing. That's pretty cool. So, okay. it's... Uh, it, it, it was it was it was a pretty pretty neat to see it come from this little like secret thing that you can do mm -hmm. to an actual like game with levels and, and its own music and all that other good That's stuff. That's pretty neat. Um, and oh, interestingly enough, they did the music for one of the other few racing games that I actually enjoyed, uh, Blur on the Xbox yeah. 360. Blur was a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Blur was kind of like Mario Kart with real cars. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was like Mario. We used to call it Mario Kart for adults. Yeah, for adults. Uh, and then the uh, the online scene for it got really. <laughs> kind of crazy. I, yeah, I, I don't think it was necessarily toxic, but it was just like if you if you didn't play from day one, and I did play from day one. Yeah. Um, you you really couldn't hold your own, and I could not hold my own. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the last game it looks like they worked on was Bloodstone, which was a James Bond game. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty cool. I dig the sound that uh, Mr. Chudley was putting out. So I guess we're gonna move into Wii U. The Wii U has a very small exclusive library of games, but uh, this was one that has to this day remained an exclusive, at least as of the recording of this episode. Uh, this is Tokyo Mirage Sessions, hashtag Effie. I guess there's no or pound sign Effie or music yeah, yeah. no Effie. I, I, I never really know. It looks like a, 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 like a sideways kind of hashtag or pound sign. Yeah. Uh, so I was just called it Tokyo Mirage Sessions hashtag FE. Uh, 2016's release, this was Synchronization. Uh, that's what the track is labeled uh, multiple different formats. I've heard the track is called something different online, but the soundtrack itself, I was able to find it. It looks like it's called Synchronization. And this is by Yoshiaki Fujisawa.
Alright, welcome back. That little ditty was from Tokyo Mirage Sessions Hashtag FE. <laughs> that was the 2016 release. The track Synchronization was by Yoshiaki Fujisawa. This song, I don't know, it's it's got a lot of like heart and emotion to it. Yeah. And it, it kind of like, I, I would almost say almost ballad-esque. It, yeah. it, you can yeah. tell that it happens during a, a very important moment in the game, or at least that's what it, it sounds like. Maybe like the, a character realizes. I haven't played this one, but it sounds like uh, something where like a character is realizing something for the first time or finds out something about another character. And th this game is very like character heavy, very story heavy. Um, I know, I, 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 I can tell you this in all honesty. I have read over what this game is about and I still have I no know. freaking clue what it's about. <laughs> like, it's supposedly, like, characters who are uh, sort of from Fire Emblem, but also from, uh, oh, like, that's what the Shin Megami Tensei. Yeah, Tensai. yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of like a, a weird mix Matchup, of, of yeah. those characters, but it also is, like, there's characters that, like, want to be part of, like, the fashion scene, and so, like, there's, like, modeling and, like, clothing and stuff like this. I remember seeing the trailers for it, and up until the game came out, they were releasing new trailers, like, every, like, maybe six to eight months, mm -hmm. or maybe, like, every other year. And, like, each time a new trailer was came out, I was like, all right, cool, maybe I'll actually figure out what this game is. And every <laughs> time I watched a new trailer, I was like, I have no clue what's going on in this game. Like, what... <laughs> the heck is going on in this cartoon so that in and of itself kind of turned me off from getting the game despite the fact that you know it was like an anime game and it seemed kind of neat and i was possibly interested in getting it but the fact that they couldn't in a trailer be like this is what the game's about this is what it is this is how you play it this is blah 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 this is blah yeah. blah, blah like i never cared about any of the characters that they introduced like it just it seemed very shallow and maybe it just wasn't for me. You know what I mean? I think that ultimately this is a game where, despite the fact that the soundtrack is pretty good, it's mm -hmm. all similar type of music like this. There's a lot of like um, anime-esque songs, like intro, anime intro yeah, music. Yeah, I was going to say, this one particularly reminded me of like an anime outro, like something mm -hmm. some that would play at the, at the end of an anime. Uh, it, it actually reminds me a lot of uh, J-pop. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that one of the reasons for that is the composer... Oh, uh, yeah. worked on mostly like TV music uh, also worked on a Japanese multimedia project called Love Live oh. so not really well known for video game music and in fact uh, Yoshiaki Fujisawa had a lot of trouble with writing music for this game to the point where they he contacted another in-house composer with another uh, group I guess called Avex Group yeah. and you know just found the com composition very hard to do uh, mostly because he's more of a like television and like multimedia type of producer and video games are just a totally different beast yes. but um, you know relating this all back to the fact that you've seen an evolution you know we've gone with CD based tracks but now you're seeing CD based tracks that have that emotion that stuff like uh, the Link to the Past track had mm -hmm. where you know, you can build emotion with more and more developed instrumentation. And, you know, here with the Wii U, I, I think there's... Going forward, you're going to be hearing music that's not only CD quality, doesn't rely on chips or anything like yep. that, but it's it's just a continual, uh, a continual evolution of what music should sound like in a video game. So, yeah. 
mean, it, it just keeps getting better, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, th- this one sounded phenomenal. I, I like, I really like the orchestration on it. Like I said, it sounds like J-pop, which, I mean, for everything else that I like, I, I like plenty of J-pop. Sure, yeah. And uh, it, all it was missing was just like, you know, the, 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 the Japanese uh, woman singing yeah. over it. And yeah. it could have been an outro. <laughs> one, of the reason why, one of the reasons why I really like uh, those types of songs mm-hmm. is... I feel like Japanese pop music is a little different than, uh, you like maybe like U.S. or U.K. based pop pop music, where like I think that vocals, while they can be very powerful, they don't really cr- like they create melody. But I think that there's such a huge focus in J- in Japanese pop music of making the vocals its own instrument. Yeah, yeah. that it's just that's what I hear is I hear the melodies not necessarily the words mostly because I, I don't know what they're saying right, usually right. so it's more like a fascination with the melodies that I'm hearing from vocals so I, I agree that vocals really could have been in this track and if you listen to the rest of the soundtrack there are songs that do have vocals in them yeah. and they sound great so that's awesome but yeah I, I want to still check this one out maybe somebody could sit down with me and I don't know we can figure out what the heck is going on because no clue. Play the RPG with uh, with, with fashion elements. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. Fashion <laughs> the most stylish play. Fire Emblem character. Yeah. In the <laughs> uh, oh, wait a minute. I, I think we're getting a call now. All right, caller, you're on the air with XVGM Radio. What do you want to hear? What was that? What's going on? Oh, hold on. I I, I think I know this one. I speak squid. Uh, it sounds like they're asking us to play Blitz It from Splatoon 2 by the Chirpy Chips. Okay. I'm amazed that you know that I'm finding out so much about you just on this first episode. (laughs) Okay, then. Well, uh, so what are we hearing again? Uh, so the song is called Blitz It from 2017's Splatoon 2 on the Switch, uh, and it's actually by a real human people, uh, called Toru Minagishi and Shiho Fuji. All right.
welcome back. That was Blitzit off of 2017's Splatoon 2, released on the Switch. Uh, and that was by Toru Menegishi and Shiho Fuji. So, uh, what'd you think? I love this track, actually. <laughs> this, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of a group called the Polysix? Yes, yes. Japanese group? Yeah. This is very much like the Polysix, at least that beginning part. It's like punk meets, like... I don't want to say synth pop, but like that early kind of like electronic music. It's just got like a, a really cool like new wave rawness to it that I really enjoyed. But you know, the the track really kind of made my ears perk up when you heard that eight bit stuff yes. come in. I was like, whoa, whoa! Did somebody start playing Mega Man in the background? Like <laughs> it, it sounded like right out of like a, a mid level Mega Man game. Yeah, I, I feel like this is the, the, the perfect track to, to, to end on too yeah. because it, it almost brings us full circle. Like yeah. You've got this CD quality audio, you've got vocals, mm-hmm. you've got stuff that ties the game together, and then you've got this 8-bit sound in the background, yeah, yeah. Like, like saying, you know, we, we know where we came from, mm-hmm. we, we, we recognize the the beginnings of, of Nintendo as this was a first-party game. Yeah. Thank you to the, uh, the female inkling who called in to request this. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Very good stuff. I've played the first Splatoon. I got a little bit of motion sickness <laughs> from it yeah. um, initially, but I think it's a really unique idea, and it's nice that Nintendo's actually making like a shooter, yeah. I guess you could say. And like a proper franchise. And like a too. proper franchise, yeah, yeah. So tell me a little bit about Splatoon 2. Uh, so, like, yeah. This is on the Switch, so... Yep. So we, we got a Switch recently, actually, So uh, and, and this is the only game that we, we have for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I bought it for my wife for our, uh, for our anniversary, mm-hmm. and she, like, she loves Splatoon 1. Uh, I, I liked it, too, mm-hmm. but uh, she was really hankering for some, some Splatoon 2, <laughs> and it plays very much like the first game. A couple things that you kind of lose when without having the, the second screen of the, the Wii U is you mm-hmm. don't have that map always in front of you when you're playing, because uh. you either, it's either on your TV or you, you have it handheld. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can, I, I forget which button it is, but there's a button you can, you can press to bring up the map really quickly and then mm. and then put it away. Okay. So they, they didn't lose too much. Mm. But I mean the the game itself looks better. The the story is interesting. I haven't gotten very far in it yet, but it seems like the Squid Sisters from the first game are missing. Uh, um, Callie, Callie and Mari. And Mari, okay. Yeah. Callie Mari. Mari. <laughs> so in the the second game, two other characters have taken over, um, named Pearl and Marina. And part of the the story of the game is that you're you're trying to to I guess get Callie and Mari back and find out what happened to them. The, okay. the octolings have sort of come back, but in this game fe- features octolings in non-antagonistic roles. Marina, is one of the new hosts, yeah. is uh, is an octoling, hmm. and apparently in the expansion you can play as an octoling. Oh, cool! So it's fairly interesting. I mean, the, the whole world is is fairly fleshed out, and just to to reference the the in-game artist of this of the song that we just listened to is named the chirpy chips uh, and it is a band made up of four members a uh, a sea anemone does vocals and synths uh, a an inkling plays the guitar a uh, shy flapjack octopus plays the bass <laughs> and the drums are played by a crab <laughs> so it's like a fake band kind of like the gorillas exactly okay that's pretty cool clever yep so the but this is actually composed by real composers yes. right okay so toru uh, minigishi has done a number of things for, for Nintendo, starting with Pocket Monsters Stadium. So mm. uh, Pokemon Stadium on the... <laughs> that was N64, I believe. Yes, right? N64. And a number of other Pokemon-related games, uh, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, Majora's Mask, Smash Brothers, mm-hmm. Mario & Luigi Pearl Jam, and kind of ending most recently with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So Mario & Luigi Pearl Jam? That's a game? Paper Jam. Oh, did I say Pearl Jam? You did. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. Pearl Jam. That's our, our, our first, first <laughs> big 
Uh, so, instant correction. Mario and Luigi paper jam. No, it's pro <laughs> jam. jam now. <laughs> oh, where's the princess? Need to uh, find that princess and stop that Bowser. <laughs> Bowser <laughs> is falling. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, his awesome. par- partner, Shiho Fuji, has a slightly smaller... A uh, list of games that they have done music for. Also ending with uh, with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe in 2017. Cool. Um, but they did Super Mario Odyssey, uh, the first Splatoon, New Super Mario Brothers U, New Super Luigi U. They started out with Wii Fit in 2007. Right, right. Okay, so basically like newer composers for Nintendo that, yeah. you know, like what we were talking about with Koji Kondo, kind of like bringing these young guys up so that way they can kind of, you know, do their due diligence, I guess yeah. you could and, say. And, you know, make make a name for themselves. Exactly. And then, you know, eventually, when he is no longer here, mm-hmm. somebody needs to be able to fill that void. Exactly, so. exactly. So, yeah, the, it's, it's, it's really interesting. This was a great track to end on because you've got, like you said, that awesome CD quality sound with that fresh vibe that really just keeps the music new and keeps it evolving. And that was the whole reason why we did this episode is because we wanted to showcase the evolution of the way that Nintendo's consoles have sounded over the years. So we hope you guys liked this episode. Uh, We're going to end on a brief note where we're going to talk about our favorites. So uh, what was your favorite of this episode? uh, That is always a tough question for me. (laughs) Because um, the, there, there's so many so many songs in here that were really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure somewhere down the line I will argue with myself over this. <laughs> but I'm going to go with the Breath of Fire 2-track Dying Corpse. Oh! Because it was just so shreddy. And it yeah. was... It, it just... It really got... It really got me excited for yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> cool. What about you? Uh, you know, initially I was going to say Panic Restaurant. Mm. Um, just because... I really haven't sat down and heard that soundtrack before, and when I did, I was like, wow, this is really good stuff. But I kind of feel like nostalgia is going to pull me back. I got to vote for <laughs> Zelda, Link to the Past. That Fair track enough. is just so meaningful to me. <laughs> so it just, it has a special feeling that I hear that I feel whenever I hear it so I really gotta go with Link to the Past Dark Golden Land so that's fair so um, like I said earlier in the show uh, the SNES is clearly the best console yeah yeah <laughs> both songs off of that yeah I mean I personally always prefer like the NES sound that's like my favorite that's what I grew up with and I made a lot of memories on the Super NES but like the NES was always king to me as far as like my favorite that's uh, songs yeah. uh, as far as like composition and sound font Yes, if you will. So, Uh, but now we want to hear from you. What is your favorite track of this episode? You can tell us on xvgmradio at gmail.com. You can also leave a comment on our YouTube page. It's youtube.com forward slash dongled. And you can find links to that on our main website, which is xvgmradio.com. What about for social media? What do we have? Right now we have our Twitter, which is at xvgmradio. And you can also find us on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash XVGM radio. That's right. Yeah. And uh, what's really cool about the group is that you can join for free and you can join us and conversate about really anything about video games or video game music. We want to hear from you. So we'll post the link to this when this goes up. And hopefully if you're joined beforehand and you've seen it, you'll be able to kind of like comment on it, what you thought of the episode, what your favorite track was, any jokes that you heard throughout this episode, (laughs) what you thought of the format. We want to hear from you so we can make this the best possible show in existence. So let us know your comments, your feedback, 
uh, constructive criticism, anything you want. You could also find us on iTunes. Uh, we are available on iTunes through normal RSS purposes. Uh, subscribe to us on there. Uh, also on Google. On um, Google, Google yeah. Music has a whole podcast section, so we should be on there. Yep, absolutely. So that's it. That's going to do it for us for this episode. Now, what do we got coming up next? So the next episode is going to be a retrospective on Toaplan. Yes, Toaplan, the developer. Very shmup-heavy episode. Yes. Lots of <laughs> arcades, goodness, lots of Genesis, and a lot of tracks that you may not have heard of or expected us to pick. <laughs> doesn't necessarily mean it's all going to be Genesis and arcades, so there will be some secret tracks out there which uh, we, we picked, but I think you guys will really dig that one, so... Yeah, that's about it. Thanks for listening to XVGM Radio. Any final thoughts, Justin? Uh, I had a lot of fun. I can't wait to get to the next one, and I can't wait to start interacting with people on uh, online, hearing from you guys, hearing you know what we what we did well, uh, would, would <laughs> what we great. did right, what we did wrong. Um, yeah, yeah. Let us know, and and so that way we can be the best radio station based on video game music for you guys. So this is Mike and Justin signing off for XVGM Radio.